soy milk in. I mean, almond. Put in more almond milk and make it hotter. I just started it. It's not right. More almond milk and put it in for two minutes or a minute and a half. Hello. I set up. Oh, you set up? Already? Yeah, I set up. Oh, you took a big old off my shoulder. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, my fears. Good, good. You're well. You're welcome to go on as well and to uh, troubleshoot online. Yeah, I think I'll do that. That'd be great. A lot of people don't know smart. Um Okay. Okay. 
होना Okay, I'm coming in. I'm going to write to Gail three o'clock. Progress. Can I talk or do you need to concentrate? You're going to be listened to by a bunch of people, but uh, you're welcome to talk. Hey, hey. Uh,
Thank you everyone for attending. We look forward to starting shortly. Thank you. 
Find your seats. It's a great honor for us as a shul to be able to celebrate the publishing of a new resource that will help our people around the world appreciate their tefillos that much better. <laughs> to be able to launch this book here at our shul with our beloved of JJ, to be able to celebrate his wonderful accomplishments and the years of work that it took to be able to create this, this wonderful safer that will be something that we will use and that our children, probably our grandchildren will be able to benefit from for years and years to come. This evening we'll have the opportunity and celebration of this book launch of the new edition of the Slichos by Koran Publishers. We'll be have the opportunity of hearing a shir by Rabbi Shachter on the topic of unfeeling a closeness to Hashem Preparing for the Yamim No Ra'im. This lecture is sponsored by Michelle Ritholtz and family in commemoration of the yard site of their beloved husband and father, Bruce Ritholtz, Zichrono Lebracha. And the topic of 
feeling a closeness to Hashem, to Yeshua Hashem, something that we all feel in these moments. And with the heaviness of this time, with the complexity of Slichot, this ability at the same time also to recognize that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is behind everything. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is with us in these moments. To be able to feel that closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is something that we all seek within our tefillot. And I believe that there is no better guide for how it is that we are to achieve that closeness than Rabbi Jacob J. Schachter, who has led our community in so many different ways for so many years, speaking as one of Rabbi Schachter's Talmudim, among the cohort of Rabbanim who have learned at his feet, it is this closest to Kadesh Baruch Hu that Rabbi Schachter has been a guide to lead us towards. And to be able to see that Torah, that Torah of Rabbi Schachter spread through this new vehicle, something which gives all of us great pride and great nachas. Rabbi Schachter. Uh, good evening. Good evening to all of you. I want to thank Rabbi Strachler very, very much for the introduction and for your friendship and for your wisdom and for your leadership and for your guidance and for enabling tonight to happen. You are very special to us and uh, we're very grateful to you. I want to thank Michelle and Mishpacha Ridholtz for Sponsoring tonight a memory of Bruce Oliver Shalom. Barachle ben Mordechai Yidl HaKohen Vidabachaya. Our connection with you and with Bruce is a very uh, long one and a very intense one. And the feeling of closeness is a feeling that we have to you and to your family. Bruce was an Adam Gadol, very precious, very special, a Jewish communal leader, a wonderful family person, and one whose life stood for so many of the values that are centrally important to us. To Eni, to Yisrael, to Liba, to Dani, to Talia, should have Nechamas, Neshama should have an Aliyah, especially now during the time of the year of the Yorzeit, you should celebrate Smachot in your families. It's a very emotional moment for me this evening to celebrate the culmination of a number of years of work. About three years ago, maybe three and a half years ago, I received an email from Rabbi Ruven Ziegler, who is, I'm not sure exactly what his exact uh, title is. His uh, role is head of publications for the Koren Publishing Company. I had a relationship with uh, Rabbi Ziegler for many years. We worked together on a number of book projects. And in this email, he said to me that the last frontier of Koren are the Slichos. So we have a Gemara, we have a Siddur, we have a Chumash, 
we have the kinos, and now we have the slichos. And would you be available or interested in writing a commentary on the slichos? I was extremely uh, touched and honored and immediately said that I would. I would be very happy to do so. It's a big kavod for me. <coughs> Koren has very high standards. I've learned a lot from many of their sfarim. And to be part of the Koren family was something that was uh, precious to me. He was uh, grateful that I accepted the invitation and then they had to go raise money to make sure that there would be a book. So that took a year. And everything is on hold. Baruch Hashem, I had other things to do. And then about a year later, I got the message that the green light, we're ready to go, we're ready to proceed. And it's in the thick of COVID. So I was at home. I was working from home. I was teaching from home. I wasn't leaving my home. And I sat for many, many months for many hours a day working on this project. One of the conversations I recently had when I was asked to describe a little bit about my experience in writing this book, it occurred to me that what motivated me a lot in the kind of commentary that I wrote and in the passages of the slichot that I decided to focus upon was the context in which I was writing it. I didn't realize that at all until maybe two weeks ago. I was looking for something positive. I was looking for something upbeat. I was looking for something that wasn't going to beat me down. As you know, there are many passages in the Slichot that focus on you're a nobody, Who are you? You're a human being. You're a sinner. Who are you to come before God? There is an emphasis on the frailty and on the humanness of a human being, on the limitations of a human being. Who are you to stand before the Rabboni Shalola? We come like poor people. And that's a major theme in the Slichos, and that wasn't sitting well with me. And I realized because I was surrounded with such sadness and with such depression and feeling beaten down. I mentioned many times that in our own family, we suffered losses, our Mechutin, Jack Tarzik, Zechrono Levracha, our son-in-law, Corey and Sarah, are here. Our sister-in-law, Dr. Aviva Weisbord. And I was really struggling with finding the space to be able to straighten myself out and stand before God and feel worthy of standing before God and feel like it matters if I stand before God. <clears throat> There are a hundred slichos that we recite. We started Matzi Shabbos and through Erev Yom Kippur, there are a hundred slichos. 
And each of the slichos has uh, many themes and many words and many phrases and many ideas. It was impossible for me to write a commentary on each one of them. It would have been endless. As is, the book is over 1,200, something like 1,300 pages. If I would have had to write on all of it, be multi-volume, and carry, and pick up a whole... So I decided I was going to try to focus only on the upbeat parts, on the closeness, on the optimism, on the connection. Hashem gives us a gift, and the gift is that we can stand before him. After all, what we did, we did. Any of the averos, any of the inappropriate behavior that we committed, we did. Where does it go? It doesn't go away. We know from social media that if you post something, it remains I beg my students, don't put it on Facebook. It's going to come back to haunt you. So it stays. We did it. It stays. So where does it go? If I did something wrong, where does it go? But Hashem says, I'll give you a gift. So Hashem is standing behind us and next to us and in front of us and enabling us to have the chutzpah maybe, to have the capacity, to have the strength, to have the ability, to have the temerity, to have the frame of mind to be able to ask for forgiveness. And it is this emotional state that I want to unpack a little bit this evening. I want to speak emotionally, not intellectually, not cognitively, but I want to speak in emotionally. I want to also acknowledge Sarah Daniel, magnificent English translation of this book. It's a new English translation. It's extraordinary. And I have found it and continue to find it extremely meaningful and helpful. I also want to thank Karen Meltz, who works for Koren, who helped me in the last few months push through until the finish line. We know the act that we have to do on Rosh Hashanah. We know the mitzvah saseh, the classical mitzvah saseh on Rosh Hashanah is shofar. Blow the shofar, to listen to the shofar. So that's the act. But what is the emotion of Rosh Hashanah? So if we look at rabbinic sources, we find two different, and not just two different, but it would appear to be opposite perspectives. I think we're most familiar, if I ask you, what is the iconic tefillah that we recite on the Yom Naraim, not just on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, so you should know that Unasan Tokef originally was only on Rosh Hashanah. If you look in the first paragraph of Unasan Tokef, and you have it here in front of you on page one, you'll notice that there are references in this paragraph to Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros. God is Melech, God remembers, we blow a shofar, Malchios, Zichronos, and Shofros, which are the themes that animate the Musaf Amidan Rosh Hashanah, 
are found here. And originally it was composed to be recited only on Rosh Hashanah, but then they began to realize that the emotional predisposition that is highlighted here is also appropriate for Yom Kippur. And so later on in Poland, a couple of hundred years later, it got moved to Yom Kippur as well. And this entire tefillah elicits from us a sense of anxiety, tension, worry, nervousness, trepidation, and even fear. It's no ravayom. It's unbelievable. It's so scary. It's a yom adin. Even the angels are quaking with fear. All of humanity passes before God's penetrating gaze. We want to hide behind somebody else, but we're stuck. Everybody individually is faced by God and is examined. And then, and then, and then is a list. It's a horrible list. It's a scary list. Who is going to be born? Who is going to pass away? Who's going to live? Who's going to the opposite of life? And then we jump onto, we hang on to the opposite of life. And we have a whole list of ways that the opposite of life can happen. And so it's diffused if we say it. And if, if we say it sincerely and honestly, there's a lot of writing on this. It's a Yom Hadin. It's a time of worry. The Gemara says in there, it's also the Marn Rosh Hashan at the bottom of the first page. The Gemara here lays out for us the criteria to determine when Halal is recited. There are certain days of the year, certain holidays when Halal is recited, but you need certain prerequisites at the core of that day to allow Halal to be recited. And the Gemara says, well, both of them apply on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, number one, it has to be called a Moed. It has to be called a holiday. The Torah says, Ele Hashem, and what follows are a list of the Moadim, and including also Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So if to be called or considered a Moed, a holiday, is a requirement for Halel, well, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur has that also. Number two, the Iktish Basias Malacha, sanctified through Isra Malacha. We're not allowed to do, quote, work. If you're not allowed to do, quote, work, so you have to say Halal on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The same category applies, so why don't we say Halal? Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippurim, the Ikru Moed, the Iktish Basias Malacha, Lema. Why is it that we don't and we don't say Halal, not on Rosh Hashanah? And not on Yom Kippur answers the Gemara, Rishim the Rabbi Avod, the Amar Rabbi Avod, Amru Malachi Asharis Lefnei HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Rabboni Shalolam, Ma Mipnei Ma'in Yisrael Omrim Shira Lefanecha Barosh Hashanah V'Yom HaKippurim, the angels themselves, yes, none other than God himself, 
So Taka Rabbanishalaylam, tell us why is it that the Jews do not recite Halel and Hashem no less than God Himself? Answers Efshem Melach Yoshev Al Kisei Hadin. Besifre Chayim, Besifre Mesim, Suchem Lefana. The Yisrael Omer Shira Lefana. We talk a lot about books on. Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. We ask Hashem to inscribe us in books, in all different kinds of books. And the books we believe are open. And if the books are open, what books are open? Sifrei Chaim and the Sefer of the opposite of Chaim. And we want to go into the correct book. We want to go into the right book. We want to go into the only book that we want to go into. But there's a chance, who knows what's going to be. So how can you say Hallel? When there's so much at stake, when there's this other book that's also open. And if we take it seriously and we believe that it's a Yom Adin and we believe Unasan Etokef and we say Unasan Etokef and the rabbi always draws our attention to the solemnity of Unasan Etokef. Efshir Melech Yoshev al Kisei Adin, the Sifre Chaim, the Sifre Mesim, Suchem Lafon of Yisrael Omer and Shira. The same Gemara is quoted in Rosh Hashanah and commenting on a Mishnah. And on the top of page two, the Rambam in his commentary on that Mishnah really develops this sentiment. The fee shallow how you Korin Halel, middle of the third line, top of page two, Parisha Mishnayas of the Rambam Loba Rashishanavalobiomakipur and Lufi Shehem Yeme Avoda service, Hachnaa submission, Pachat fright, Mora, fear may Hashem Vira me menu and awe more fear. Uchuva, repentance, tachnunim, supplication, bakasha, entreaty, kapara, atonement, bacholelu, and yonim, and nohogon ashok, vahasimcha. Who can be happy? You have to be happy when you say halal. We sing halal. We're not in the mood to say halal. So, one disposition is. It's uh, hard. It's hard to face this. And that is, it's a time of tension. We refer to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur's Yom and Noraim as days of awe. But we also have another perspective. We have a perspective that refers to these days as Yom and Tovim as Halal. And so we have a Yerushalmi, the middle of page two. Yerushalmi tells us something really striking, especially in light of this first perspective and very, very interesting. And for me, extremely important. Rabbi Chama Rabbi Chanina Verabosheah, four lines from the bottom of the middle section on page two. Ezo Umakumazos, what other nation is like our nation? We contrast the Jewish nation with other nations. In the normal course of events, if somebody is facing a court case, but a monumental court case with uh, 
a great deal at stake, a great deal of significance. Adam You're all nervous. So you get dressed up in black. Those days black was not elegant. These days black is elegant. You get dressed up in black. You wrap yourself in black. You don't care what you look like. You're slovenly or unkempt. You don't know what's going to be. The last thing in the world is that I'm worried about what I look like. My mind is totally preoccupied by what may happen to me. That's the other nations. What do we do on Rosh Hashanah, before Rosh Hashanah? This Yerushalmi is in the first parak of Maseches Rosh Hashanah. He's talking about this time of year. We get dressed up in white. White is festive. White is pure. White is clean. White is optimistic. And we're all and we're all manicured and we're all ready to go. And now it's amazing. What do we do on Rosh Hashanah? Okay, it's an act. I eat, I drink, but it's more than that. There's an emotional disposition that's added to this Yerushalmi, which to me is incredibly dispositive. We have Simcha on Rosh Hashanah because we know that God will make a miracle. It probably will take a miracle. It's not because I deserve it. But I have confidence that God will make a miracle. The problem is that God doesn't always make a miracle. So I'm not sure how confident I am. Because it doesn't always turn out to be miraculous. But there is something profound here. And that is to feel a sense of hope. To feel a sense of optimism. I'm not crushed. I'm not overwhelmed. I'm not breaking from the force of the fear of the day of judgment. But I'm eating and I'm drinking and I'm a human being and I'm looking forward. And Amir Tzashem, the Rabboni Shalom, is going to help me and I feel a sense of simcha. Yom Kippur is for sure a day of simcha. The famous mission at the end of Masachas Tainis, Lo Hoyu, Yamim Tovim Li Israel, like Yom Kippur, the Gemara says Yom Kippur, Yom De Ispe Slicho Mechila. It's a day of forgiveness, it's a Yom Tiv, it's a happy day. What a bracha. And I bring you here at the bottom of page two, there's the Rabbeinu Yonah that wants to know why is it that there is a mitzvah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. There's a mitzvah saseh in our Torah to eat on Erev Yom Kippur. Why is there such a mitzvah saseh? So Rashi says to prepare us for Yom Kippur because on Yom Kippur we're fasting and we have a lot of work to do. So we should satiate ourselves as much as we can. We're going to come back to this in a little while. We should satiate ourselves so we have kayach to do what we have to do on Yom Kippur. Tzedin and hachana to prepare us for Yom Kippur. Rabbeinu Yonah says he has three reasons and the middle reason is very different. 
Rebbein Yonah says that really we should eat on Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur is a Yom Tiv. And Simchas Yom Tiv means we should eat. We fulfill our joy of the holiday by eating, by drinking. And since Yom Kippur is a Yom Tiv, we should really be doing it on Yom Kippur. But I can't do it on Yom Kippur. I'm supposed to fast on Yom Kippur. So I'm Mekayim, I fulfill the Simchas Yom Tiv of Yom Kippur on Erev Yom Kippur. The eating and the drinking, which reflects the joy, I do that on Erev Yom Kippur. But the Etzem, I really should be doing it on Yom Kippur because Yom Kippur, because Yom Kippur is a holiday. And so I want to now focus on the optimism, on the positive. I know it's a Yom Adin. I know a lot of Slichos focus on that. But I want to be able to give myself and maybe to try to help you find the place where with all of our shortcomings and whatever frailties and whatever challenges, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, we have what to be grateful for. We're basically good people. I'm not into beating up on ourselves. I mean, you came tonight. You could have been watching a ball game. You could have watched a movie. You could have watched Netflix. Could have taken a walk. I don't know how many people are on Zoom. 84 people. 84 people. So they're in their pajamas, so you have to get dressed, okay? Epis. Um, we're good people. We're We're good people. It's an amazing community. We give stucker. We dive in, we're nice to people, we study Torah. We're coming into God now with Shtikala uh, Epis. I know the stakes are high, but I'm not coming with nothing. I'm coming with something, and maybe it's that something that elicits in me this sense of optimism and simch. This year, for the first time, I discovered a Noda Yehuda on the top right of page three. The Noda Yehuda, Rabbi Cheska Landau, lived second half of the 18th century. He ended up uh, the chief rabbi of Prague the last number of decades of his very, very illustrious life. So he has an interesting question. Somebody asks him. Top right, page three. I know it's a lot of Hebrew here, a lot of Hebrew. But I'm going to translate everything. So far, I've been trying to translate everything. Everybody should be on the same page. <coughs> Equal playing field. He writes a letter to a student, uh, Rabbi Bear. I got your letter. So somebody asked you in your community in uh, Zoltzbach, there in Avel, are they allowed to daven for the Ahmed between Rosh Chodesh Elul and Yom Kippur? <coughs> are they allowed to daven for the Ahmed? Are they allowed to say Slichos, to leave the Slichos service during this time? Yofe Posakto writes the Rebbe to his Talmud, to Rabbeir, you did the right thing. 
Only on those three days, somebody who's a mourner should not daven for the yamad. Avul b'shar yamim, afilu b'yamei aslichos uba seres yamei tshuva ain't shum smach bedover limchos biad ha'avul. And he talks about the fact that on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, an Avel should avoid, but the rest of the time it's not a problem. Skip a couple of lines. What about on Shabbos? Should an Avel daven on Shabbos? He said, well, maybe on Shabbos there's more sense of Simcha than there is on the Yom and Noraim Lo. Somebody, God forbid, is in Avelos, either Shiva or Shloshim, and then Rosh Hashanah comes. So we're done. It breaks the Avelos, it breaks the Shiva, it breaks the Shloshim. Shabbos doesn't do that. If somebody, God forbid, is in Avelos and it's Friday afternoon, so we take a pause and then Matzai uh, Shabbos, we're back. So which is greater? Which has more simcha? Simcha and avelos are mutually exclusive. You can't have them both at the same time. So it's even more simcha, Rosh Hashanah, he says, perhaps than even Shabbos. Mashiach came to Shabbos. Bechol kulei de simchas yom tov shal Rosh Hashanah k'mosha ar yomim tov u'mikro kodeshu. Yes, I know there's no halal. Yes, I know that it's a Yom Hadin, but don't say that there's no joy. Don't say that there's no Simcha. There's Simcha also. Hare Kaman, three lines from the end of the first paragraph. Shekol minag zehu rak berosh Hashanah v'yom ekipur matzmo shehe nikra kodesh upaske avelus v'chol malos halolu ain lo heminyan liyamei elul o laaseris yamei tshuva not a problem. You could do it. It's not a problem at all. Then he says in the next paragraph, in line number five. So when we say slichos, we feel that it's now judgment. But he says, no, it's not judgment. It's not din, but it's rachme. Below, oh, a couple of lines later, shekola seris yemei tshuva, enam nekraim yemei din. Not just the days of slichos leading up to Rosh Hashanah, but during the aseris yemei tshuva, adarabah yemei rachme. Ba'akodesh boruchu, nimtza afilu liyachit. Rak Rosh Hashanah v'yom ha-kippurim heim yemei din. So he's limiting and limiting and limiting. We're now down to three days where we are now and where we will be between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, the days of Rachman. Rachman means mercy. Rachman means I have Rachmanes on you. So God has Rachmanes on us. He's not even judging us. He's with us. He's helping us. He's connecting to us. Wants to be with us. Wants to help us. Wants to give us strength. So that when we come to Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, we'll have the, the same, the smechen, we'll have the, the Yom Tiv aspect. And therefore, it gives us a source of strength.
Let's go to the bottom of this page, the Rambam in Hilchos Tshuva, one of the most famous Rambams in Hilchos Tshuva that I come back to all the time. Because for me, it's a source of great strength. The Rambam here talks about how Tshuva brings us closer to God. The title of the talk is on feeling a closeness to God. So I strive to feel a closeness to God. And Gedola Tshuva in Perek Zion Halachavav, a little more than halfway down the bottom of page three. Gedola Tshuva Shemekareves Esadam the Shechina. Tshuva is great that it brings a person close to God. Shinema Tshuva Yisrael Adashem Elokech. You should return to God. Next line. Tshuva Mekareves Esorachokim. The Tshuva brings closer those who are far. Emesh, the Ramam here waxes extremely poetic. Emesh, yesterday, he was hated before God. Meshukat, he was disgusting. Meruchat, he was far away, he was distant. Toeva, an abomination. We're distant from God. But Vahayom, Vahayom, proper desire to come close to God, who ohuv v'nechmod korov v'yedid. You become beloved and you become delighted. You become korov, close, and you become a friend. Emesh, last three lines, hoyozeh muvdol me Hashem elokei Yisrael, but v'ayom hu mudbak v'shechina. It's striking to me every time I read this, that the Rambam doesn't say anything about removing Averos. The Rambam here does not at all say that Tshuva accomplishes. My Averos are no longer on my uh, dead column. I do Tshuva, and now Al-Chait, 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 and now that Chait is gone. The Rambam doesn't at all here address the efficacy of tshuva when it comes to removing a sin. That's not the issue. The whole issue of tshuva is the relationship. It's rectifying the relationship. It's making us feel close to Hashem. And I see this in a very interesting way. Turn to page four. Did you ever wonder the following question? On Yom Kippur, we quote the Pasuk in Achremos, the top right of page four, we quote it again and again and again and again. I bring you the Chumash on the top right hand side. I bring you one of the times during the one of the Shemona Esrays on Yom Kippur when we quote this Pasuk. But there are two words in this Pasuk. There seems to be need only for one word. There's a word called kapara, and then there's a word called tahara. Ki bayom hazeh yechaper aleichem, letaher eschem, lefnei Hashem titoru. The pasuk should have said, ki bayom hazeh yechaper aleichem mikol chatosechem, lefnei Hashem tishapru. Kapara means atonement. What's today called? Yom hakipurim. It's a day of atonement. It should be kapara. I understand kapara. In the same pasuk, there's kapara and there is tahara. 
What is kapara and what is tahara? Why do we need both? Should it not be true that kapara would be the most important result of everything that we do? That's what it should be. So I spent some time in Masifta Tarvidas, where my smicha is from, my rabbinic ordination is from Tarvidas. My Rosh Yeshiva was Rav Gedal Yeshur. Rav Gedal Yeshur, for a number of years, was a Rosh Yeshiva. He used to give Shmuzin on Friday mornings. It was hard to understand him because he didn't speak clearly and very loudly. But he wrote up a lot of his Shmuzin and Sfarim, and now... Subsequently, I was able to better appreciate what it was that he was trying to convey. So he has a Sefer on Moadim, and he asks the question that I just posed. Bottom of page four. When a person misbehaves, you need atonement and you need purification. It's interesting, atonement isn't going to cut it. That alone isn't going to make it happen. That's great, thank you. That's really important. But I'm not done yet. I need something in addition. I need letaher eschem. I have to become purified besides gaining atonement. And the end of the Pasuk is not lefnei Hashem tishapru, that I am now being atoned, thank you God. But lefnei Hashem titoru, I'm being purified. Even if I received atonement, my work is not over yet. And he talks about the fact that kapara is very technical. And kapara is, let's call it juridical. Kapara makes the sin go away. What tahara does is it fixes and it rectifies the person. It helps me reach a new level. It's not the technical removal of the sin. That's very important. But at the end of the day, on top of that, I need to be in a different place. Because sin, he says, is kogen benafsho ubenishmasa. It somehow pulls me down. And he says, that's why chazal say, avera goreris avera. If you do one sin, it'll be easier to do another sin. Why? Maybe this sin is easy for me. I like this sin. That sin I don't like so much. And the answer is because if you do a sin, then you, the person becomes adversely affected. You're now more tainted. And the more tainted you are, the more easy it is for you to do another bad thing. It's not a din in the sin. It's a din in you. You change. And so therefore, even if kapara is going to help me to atone for the sins that I committed, but what about me? Well, this whole Rambam is about me. It's not about the sin. The Rambam that I just read to you at the bottom of the previous page is not about Kapura. It's a Rambam about Tahara. Because when we sin 
four or five lines from the bottom on the right side, V'nasa rochok me'ashem yisparach al yedei achet. U'le'umaseh, and to relate to this and in contrast, V'asau tshuva tzorachu le'kapara le'bali la'hagia lo ha'onesh al achet. You're right, I want to remove this punishment that I want to get, I want the sin to go away. But v'chutz mitzeh tzorachu le'tahara le'malos ha'pegimo. In yeshiva show language, we talk about a gavra and we talk about a cheft. Kapara is a din in the cheft. Tahara is a din in the gavra. Kapara takes care of the thing. Tahara takes care of the person. And this is what it means to be close, to feel elevated, and to feel purified. And now on page five. I have attended in the past a number of book launches. And the minog apparently is that the author reads a passage from the book. So maybe you'll buy it. I don't get any royalties from this. So I I would love for you to buy the book. Uh, Ruvain is here. Um, please buy the book. It's it's a wonderful book. I hope you'll find it helpful. I actually am very invested in you buying the book, but it's my my Elam Haba is invested uh, in in this book. But I do want to read a passage from my introduction on page five that specifically addresses this issue. So follow along with me. Throughout the Slichos, my introduction focuses on various themes that recur constantly throughout the Slichas. So the longest introductory 20-page essays about the Yud Gimel Midos. Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachem, Rechanam, we recite it over and over and over again. Then I have another big section on the Akedah. The Akedah is very central to the whole Slichos uh, prayer service. In fact, during the Aseris Yimei every single morning there's one Slicha that's called an Akedah. We specifically focus on Akedas Yitzchak. It happened during the time of Rosh Hashanah. It shows the great faith that Avram Avinu had. It's part of the Kriyas HaTorah on Rosh Hashanah. And it's very central. And then I go into a number of other themes as well. And this one is our search for God. We want to find God. We want to be close to God throughout the Slichot service. We repeatedly describe our yearning to find God and experience a sense of closeness to him. This, for me, is very important. Toward the end of the daily slichot service we recite, and you have the Hebrew right afterwards, let us find you when we seek you, as the Pasuk says, as it's written. And if from there you shall seek the Lord your God, you shall find him when you seek him out with all your heart, and with all your soul. Notice, note, that the verse begins in the plural and continues in the singular. Did you ever notice that the Pasuk begins, Ubi kashtem misham es Hashem elokecha? And then it continues, Umatsa There's an inconsistency. If you're talking plural, so be consistent. Ubi kashtem, umotsasem. If it's umotsasa, it should be ubi kashta. 
we start in the plural, we end in the singular. One could suggest. I actually thought that this might be a pshat. One could suggest that many people start off wanting to see God. Many people are bikashtem. Bikashtem, a lot of people are bikashtem. But when the dust settles, there aren't many people who are matzasa. We all have a wonderful desire and we all start off with a great strength and, and effort. One could suggest that many people start off wanting to see God, but only a few are able to put in the effort necessary to be successful. So maybe the Bikashtem turns into the Matzasa, Rabbeinu Bachia ben Asher, however, in his commentary on the Torah, 14th century Spain, a Talmud of the Ramban, 13th century Spain, however, presents an opposite perspective. He writes that had the verse concluded in the plural, one would think that God responds only to the prayers of a group which seeks him due to the merit of approaching him with numbers. Hashem is not moes bitfilosan shel rabbin. If the whole thing is plural, you might think that it's only in the context of a group that we might be able to search for God and to find him. Regrettably, one would have the impression that God would not respond to an individual person. It is therefore for this reason, says Rabbeinu Bachya, that the verse dafka concludes in the singular to teach us that God will also respond to individuals. Rabbi Salavechuk reflected on this verse in the following way. The word vakashasenu does not mean our request. Himotze lonu bevakashasenu is not in our request, but it means in our search. We plead with God to answer us. But what are we searching for? We are searching to be close to God, close to God. Every person wants to feel the touch of the hand of God on his shoulder in our ceaseless quest. If I were writing this, I would have said on his and her shoulder. In our ceaseless quest for God, we plead that he permit himself to be found. Allow us to find you. We pray that it should be easy to find God. The recitation of Slichos is not complete without this statement. It is the last plea before we stand for Shema Koleinu. And it is the purpose, objective, and ultimate end of all prayers, wrote Rabbi Soloveitchik. We pray that God should establish a relationship with us. He should not be transcendent beyond our reach and that a person should not flee from him, but should be close to him. He must say, Lanu Seinu. I want to conclude this section with the Satma Rebbe. A number of people pointed out to me, wow, that's amazing. You have Rabbi Soloveitchik, and right after Rabbi Soloveitchik, you have the Satma Rebbe. And I did it deliberately because there's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of wisdom. There's a lot of Torah in these great Jews. And they should live together, at least on the page in my book. They should live together <laughs> everywhere in Ganadin. I'm sure they're living together, but... We should see these two Jews are uh, worthy, wonderful Jews. We could learn from them. Rabbi Yael Teitelbaum, he has a, he has a sefer called Slichos uh, Divrei Yoel that I studied. I studied a number of commentaries on the Slichos. And he has, I quote him about five times uh, in my commentary. Here I quote him in my introduction. He has a beautiful word. He has a great question. Rabbi Yair Teitelbaum asks two questions. First, the be- verse begins 
with the verb seek, ubikashtem, as in ubikashtem isham, as Hashem when you seek something, that presupposes conscious effort and deliberate work. I'm looking for something. I get up and I look for something. It's a strategy. I'm doing something proactively. But then it continues with the verb to find. Happen to find. You happen to find connotes happenstance or serendipity. Is it a positive response to our search independent on our effort? Or is it forthcoming almost automatically? So is it because I worked? Or at the end of the day, it just fell upon me or I fell upon it. Secondly, how comforting is this promise? If the verse clearly predicates finding God on the condition, that's a high bar. That's a tall order. So that's not going to help me. You're telling me that God will come to me when I do this and I do this and I do this and I do this. It's not so passionate to do all of that. It's not very uh, compelling to me. It's not, it doesn't calm me down. It's not optimistic for me. Who can possibly reach such a high bar seeking God so purely and so fully? Rabbi Teitelbaum suggests that in order to grant us the ability to approach God in prayer, even though we know that we could never fully, quote, to seek him out with all your heart and all your soul, God promised us it's a beautiful word. What's, what's the mishon? Ubikashtem mishon. From where? From where is the mishon? And he says, you know where the from where is? Wherever you are. Wherever you are, you don't have to be a great tzaddik. You don't have to be flying around in the Olamis Yoinim. You don't have to. Ubikashtem mishon. Your sham. Wherever we find ourselves, we'll be kashtem mishan from whatever level of sincerity we can achieve on our own, then Hashem will help us find the higher level of engagement. We need to extend ourselves. But even it's not b'cholavavcha, b'cholnafshecha. On our madrigas, to the extent to which we could fulfill God gives us a gift. It's a result of a gift from a caring and compassionate God. And it's as if we fell on it. It's not that if we go looking for it, then for sure we're going to find it. We can go looking for it. But at the end of the day, we tripped on it. It's not necessarily mukhrach. It's not necessarily true that automatically we're going to find it. We extend ourselves to the best as we can, and hopefully Hashem will respond. We express this desire to connect with God in a personal and meaningful way, often in our prayers. In Kedusha, in Kedusha we recite as part of the Shachra service. We beseech God to reveal himself from his place. What follows is really striking. Think about it. Are we really, do we really do that? What is kimachakim? We're waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. 
That means that wherever I am, I'm not fulfilled yet. I'm waiting for you. I want you to come close. We long for God to come close to us, to feel. And here I quote from Rabbi Soloveitchik, a very famous phrase that he talks about feeling the presence of God. This notion appears elsewhere in the Slichos. For example, towards the end of the daily service, we recite how your people, we, your people, your portion hunger. Re'eve tuvcha. We thirst. We crave for you. We are shattered by longing for you. Our innermost source yearns for you. We just don't just want to connect to God. We long for God. And we yearn for God. That's, I think, the core of what Slichos and this time of year is all about, to try to recreate that connection, to turn the kapara into tahara. Let us try with all the sincerity we can muster to reach out to God, and in the merit of that genuine effort, be granted the gift of, quote, finding him. It is clear that much effort has been invested in formulating the most meaningful and appropriate words with which to approach God during these crucially important days. May we recite them with the thoughtfulness and intention that they deserve. And may God see fit to respond to our prayers for ourselves, our families, our communities, our people, and our world. Thank you for coming. We should all be blessed. The Shnaz Chayim, the Shalom, us and our families the Jewish people and the private. Thank you everyone for joining.